0: Well, you have heard from the men and now it's time to hear from the women. Welcome to November and welcome to the Igloo and the Women's Media Day Special. It's crazy to think we're in November. We're less than a week away. Six days to be exact from opening night. Again, you heard from Big East media day on the men's side. Now it's time for the women. So here was my synopsis of the results that we heard for the preseason poll, preseason player of the year, and freshman of the year. So to start with the individual honors, no surprise. Maddie Segrist is your preseason player of the year averaged nearly 28 a game, which set a Big East single-season record for a season. I mean, that's, it's crazy to think, you know, Big East women's basketball, it hasn't been around as long as it has on the men because of Title IX. Big East women's basketball didn't start till around the mid-80s, so approaching the 40-year mark, and Maddie Segrist, averaged more points per game in a season than anyone else in the history of the conference. That's a pretty impressive mark. And, of course, that is more than deserving of your preseason player of the year nod. Again, she's the reigning player of the year. She eked out Anissa Morrow for that honor back in March. As for the freshman of the year... Me being biased. I wanted Ice Brady. But. The real correct pick. And I know they got it right. Was Ayanna Patterson from UConn. Same team as Ice Brady. Ayanna Patterson is just. She can jump out of the gym. Really good athleticism. And she is the highest rated recruit. In this. UConn freshman class. So. Again, not surprised that it's Ayanna Patterson getting freshman of the year. Preseason freshman of the year at Big East Media Day. As for the the preseason coaches poll, no surprise, UConn at the top. They got all but one first place vote. Obviously, every coach can't vote on their own team. So, outside of UConn, every coach picked UConn to finish at the top. And again, that doesn't surprise anybody. Even without Paige Beckers, they are still the cream of the crop in the conference. And the best in the conference until someone takes them down. Second... Coming off the heels of their Elite Eight run, Cinderella run, the Creighton Blue Jays, who, by the way, UConn preseason number six in the country, Creighton cracks the preseason top 25 at number 21. Pretty great that you have a Big East team in the preseason top 25 that isn't UConn. Pretty refreshing to see. So, I'm going to keep going with the rest of the poll, but essentially, I'm just going to do this pretty much in order. All right? So, right now, I mean, listen, Creighton coming off an Elite Eight run for the ages, one of only five double digits to ever reach that point. And the trio of Emma Ronczyk, Lauren Jensen, Morgan molly They really do keep very good heads on their shoulders. Credit to them as people. Credit to the coaching staff for keeping them level-headed. But here is what those three, the trio that's expected to be the driving force of this Creighton team, here's what they had to say at media day. And again, just think about the fact that you have those three and a host of others Like Molly Mogensen, Mallory Brake. I mean, really, the only player they lost that was important and a major contributor from last year's team was Tatum Rembaugh, their starting point guard. I mean, outside of, again, their three leading scorers from last year, Who are at media day, as I mentioned? I mean, you still got Mallory Brake coming back, Molly Mogensen, Carly Bachelor, who started the majority of the season as well. And you think about the fact that they really only brought in three freshmen, and they're an old team, but they're also not an old team because they only have one graduate student, and one senior. So this is a monster junior class that is leading this exciting Creighton team. Let's hear from three of those juniors now again, Emma Ronzick, Lauren Jensen, and Morgan Molly. So I guess this is for all three of you. I mean, you did something last year that only a handful of teams have ever done in the history of March Madness, being a double-digit seed, going to the Elite Eight. And the last team to do that, I don't know if y'all know this, it was Sabrina Ionescu's freshman year at Oregon. So, I mean, to be in that kind of pantheon, I mean, try to put that run into perspective as best you can for, for me.
1: Um, honestly, I don't, even though it was, what, six, seven months ago, like, I don't even know if it has fully, like, hit me, like, the magnitude of it. You know what I'm saying? When you, like, put it like that last mm-hmm. time it was... Sabrina's freshman year, it's still so like crazy to think, you know, because it's just like our team and we're just doing what we love to do, you know, and so it's definitely cool to be up there um, and in the conversation and mention teams and players like that.
0: And, and something also to think about, too, I mean, obviously an Elite 8 run like that, obviously that's going to garner you a lot of preseason time, especially with how much you return. Uh, I mean, last year was sixth in the preseason poll, and now that you're number two, I mean, how are you guys like navigating You know, the attention, the noise, what have you, um, to just stay focused on the task at hand?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of expected to be ranked higher this year, especially with what we did last year. At the same time, we can't really focus on that, and we can't really have other teams focus on that for us as well just because we are getting so many people back but just because that means that we're getting the majority of our scores back doesn't mean that teams aren't going to cater to what we do best and what um, our best players do. So a lot of it is just going to be us changing and finding new ways to score around that because we scout the same way that I would imagine other teams scout. We Mm -hmm. go through people's strengths, so a season like that last year is not taken lightly. Um, for other teams when you're playing us, I don't think. So I think there are going to be a lot of changes made and that's going to have to cater for us to make changes as well.
0: And speaking of, you know, like the the run that you went on, I obviously garners attention in the form <laughs> of, obviously, TV spots. And, you know, you're playing in the first Fox game that doesn't involve UConn. I mean, your thoughts on that.
3: Um, it's huge for our program but also just women's basketball in general to get that national um, broadcast and that attention is really exciting um, and it's a huge step for the women's game
0: yeah I mean it's on New year I mean it's on New Year's yeah. Eve too in, in in Chicago I mean you can't really get much better than that I mean you know to be part of the end of the year countdown before the ball drops um, in literally in like a few blocks down but in terms of talk about cutting down nets. I mean, this past year, the unthinkable was done. A UConn lost a conference game, as, as all of you know. Um, and a lot of people argue the team in the best position to do that this year is your team. Um, obviously, you don't want to look too far ahead, but, you know, if, if there's anything that could take down UConn on any given night hot shooting, and obviously you have that and, and then some, so, I mean, how do you build off the incredible three-point shooting you I mean, you had a stretch of games, two two games where you hit 42 threes.
1: Um, yeah, I say just keep doing what we do, you know? Obviously, um, we can all shoot it, you know, that's a huge part of our game. Um, And it also helps, too, that we do return a lot of players and we know how to play with each other. You know, we know where each other likes the ball. We know how to screen for each other and how to read that. And so just developing that and furthering that in the season will be really good.
0: I would argue also, I mean, UConn, obviously, they schedule very tough in their non-conference. You guys schedule in that kind of category where you're facing a Sweet 16 team on the road in South Dakota, the defending WNIT champs, Stanford, who was in the Final Four, I mean, the list goes on and on, but is it fair to say you guys scheduled like a team that wants to go back to the Elite Eight?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think our non-conference schedule is really reflective on what we did last year Yeah. because, I mean, I personally, I do not think that we would have made the run that we did last year without that. having obviously, the tough non-conference so schedule that we did last year. Yeah, and you know, this year, we obviously, we haven't started playing yeah, games. But regardless of us playing Arkansas, Stanford, whoever, it's those it's games, regardless of what, what we lost, are going to teach us a lot. And they're going to teach us how to, like, keep playing when the basketball season gets really tough and long and then you can't really see the end of the road but those games are really what's going to push us over the edge I
4: think.
0: so last thing for y'all so when you're when you're obviously getting this much attention um try to tune out the noise to the best of your ability um and just again focus on the task of hand. so i'm i'm eager to know what are what are the things that You made pregame rituals or whatever from all three of you. You know, are there any things you guys like to do? Just maybe superstitions, even where you just need to do these things to just lock in and focus maybe ahead of the game or whatever.
2: I don't really know. I don't really have anything, like, specific. I just, like, try to calm myself down. So I get really worked up for games Sure. Mm-hmm. So I just have to, like, center myself a little bit. And then once once the ball's tipped and you're playing for, like, a minute, and then you're fine. But, like, right away, it's, like, the nerves. Right.
0: Yep. You?
1: Yeah, I want to say the same way. I don't really have anything, like, very specific that I always do. Um, but I just try to calm myself down, kind of center myself. I mean we have stuff as a team. We always have like these hashtag things like inside jokes whatever um that Oh yeah that a lot of teams do but we'll like write that on the board
3: and everything so
0: Okay and more. Um
3: I think I don't have a crazy superstition, but I have a healthy routine. Okay. Um, I also like to calm myself down. Like I don't listen to like the hype rap. Like before. Yeah, games. you want some like, classical stuff. I listen to like kind of, I listen to, like my sad playlist because I feel like that kind of gets me. That's what works for me. Alright
0: I don't. So, side note: before we move on, as I was coming into New York City. You know, I arrived at Port Authority and I was really trying to haul ass all the way to the garden from there, which is about like eight, nine blocks, something like that. As I'm making my way there, guess who I just see just casually walking the streets of New York? Head coach Jim Flannery. I thought it was hilarious and it really doesn't surprise, I mean, SID Glenn Sisk, Certainly wasn't surprised by it. I I just I just thought it was funny I had to bring it up because that was essentially my way, I guess, of warming up and getting in the mindset like, oh yeah, we're here. Biggie's media day. I'm ready. And but seeing Flan just randomly just out on the streets, yeah, made my morning. So third place in the preseason poll. And we can only assume this is Gina Auriemma who gave this team his first place vote. Villanova. Yeah, you lose Lior Garzon. You lose Brianna Hurley. But you look at the bright side of things. You still got Maddie effin Segrist And the supporting cast cast that she had obviously outside of Garzone and Herlihy they're a year older and a year wiser players like Lucy Olsen Brooke Mullen who were at Big East Media Day I mean you also add in a play- player like Caitlin Oriel who was not a super big contributor a year ago, but in the NCAA tournament and even the Big East tournament, she played some important minutes and provided a huge boost. But you think about the players that are, you know, year older, year year wiser, I mentioned those three, but even getting sophomores like Z- Zanae Jones Anahi Lee Cawley and Christina Dalsey into the fold. And then you also, uh, by the way, Brooke Mullen is now a senior. And also, really, they only bring in one transfer, and that's Maddie Burke from Penn State. And even Bella Runyon, you know, she provided important minutes, important rebounding in the late stages of the season. So... As we transition now, let's hear from the Cats. uh, Starting with head coach and the reigning Big East coach of the year, Denise Dillon. So, uh, Coach, yeah. uh, it's quite the whirlwind of a season where, you know, Maddie goes down, and then once uh-huh. she comes back, that's when all the pieces uh, fall into place. I mean, what impressed you about, I mean, Maddie, Maddie, Maddie was going to be Maddie, but just how the supporting cast came yeah. into play?
5: Well, I think, uh, again, when you can find a silver lining in a real tough situation, that was it. Uh, I felt our other players uh, gain confidence and great experience and understanding of what they're capable of doing. Uh, Brooke Mullen. Uh, being one, I think it was a turning point for her in her career, and just continues to uh, expedite her growth and um, her role within this team. And you had uh, Lucy Olsen obviously playing so many minutes for us as a freshman, um, but really stepping up in that situation. When Maddie came back, they continued to do what they were capable of doing and just added another element, some more threats out on the floor.
0: So, four Big East teams make the tournament, Mm -hmm. and you happen to be one of them. i little under seated, if you ask me. But you prove it um, in Ann Arbor. You know, sure. gutsy game against BYU, which you pull out, and then you really challenged Michigan yeah. um, in a road game, no less, in the NCAA tournament. I mean, how impressed were you just with the adversity they overcame and just how they challenged and rose to the, rose to the occasion yeah. in each of those games?
5: Well, it just showed their uh... – willingness to play in any environment and uh their their want to continue to play uh, this was a group that uh, loved the game but uh loved practice as well i don't know if they would say that but just the way they practiced it was evident that they were preparing uh for any game that they were to face last season and yeah to get in there michigan uh disappointment with a loss but understanding as to how far we had come through the season, and then just returning a good core of them. They they want more. So uh, their commitment in the offseason to their individual craft was uh, on point, and now bringing it together as a team to figuring out who we are, what our identity is, and, uh, yeah, really challenging ourselves in the uh, non-conference schedule. So we'll know early.
0: So, um, I mean, who's been really impressing you so far in this preseason to replace the production of, um, you know, a vet like Brianna Hurley yeah. and then Lior Garzon?
5: I would say the tough part is uh, replacing uh, Brianna. Uh, it's, it, it will be by committee, as you often have to do, because we have a lot of young players. Uh, and, and then just mixing it up, being creative with our lineup. Uh, I think you're going to see uh, a little more uh, in, in the guard, more like three legit guards out there. Uh, with a, you know, Maddie Burke, uh, Maddie Seacrest, but we're, we're getting Christina Delcy ready early uh, in her sophomore campaign to uh, step in there as that rebounder and defender we need in the five spot.
0: So, I, I guess another big, you talk about the non-conference slate. I mean, tough last year, even tougher this year. I mean, I think the will barometer test is going to be Fort Myers and a yeah. Belmont team that's not going to be any slouch, but, I mean, no. if, you, if you just win that one, I mean, now you're looking at, staring down games that will no doubt improve your resume, even just playing them.
5: Well, exactly. And you say, like, improve your resume. We talk about wanting to be recognized on the national level. And you have to play a competitive, tough, non-conference schedule in order to do that. I mean, we have Princeton game too, so you see what they uh, have done and continue to do, and who they bring in. Uh, Carla does an amazing job there, so that's going to be our our great uh, challenge uh, early, and then yeah, as you mentioned with that tournament, Belmont, Baylor, whoever else you may face. So
0: yeah, so you know, last but not least, um, I mean. As good as your team was you know from December onward were there any areas where you kind of looked at it in the offseason like we really need to improve in these areas to really build off of and not just slightly just drastically improve to yeah. be up towards that second place finish you were at. I
5: would just say that the con- efficiency uh, of our offense a so consistency with the uh, shooting percentages I think we get shots you know just being uh, more efficient on that end and then I uh, Defensively, you know, making sure that we're keeping ourselves in games in order uh, for it to be, you know, down the stretch a possession game. But uh, yeah, there are some areas there that we're we're glaring, uh, and it's not just going to happen because you talk about it. We have got to find the right pieces uh, to make that happen.
0: So, last year was a year in which early adversity with you know seeing your star go down with an injury, but how would you say just the the resiliency of the team? Once she returned, really bounced back. You got a big win over Oregon State early in the year, but then taking that momentum throughout the entire conference, like getting the two seed and really seeing a lot of development from everyone. Obviously, Maddie did her own thing, but the development from players like you.
6: Yeah, I think we all came as a team together. We're like, we don't have Maddie right now, but we really have to get it together because if we want to be a good team and be able to compete, we're gonna have to figure it out. And then it was great timing. Maddie came back. Everyone was really locked into winning each game. We took it one by one, and then yeah, I just we all became closer as a team too. Like that helped me. I think just as the season went on, like I trusted my team more and they trusted me I feel like so we were able to all work together and get it done
0: I think the singular galvanizing moment for you as a group to like really come together was doing the unthinkable and winning at UConn which again something that hadn't been done in nine years I believe so I mean would you say that was a galvanizing moment where you kind of like told yourself like we don't think we're a tournament team we know we're a tournament team
7: I think that was just like a really eye-opening moment for us. That game like actually felt like forever like playing in it because we knew like we were going to like it's going to like runs are going to happen and we just have to like stay calm and like just collect it at all times because you knew like they were going to come back because it's UConn. So I think after winning that game, we were just like our confidence just like was like through the roof. Like we knew like we are like we can do this. Like we're like not just like some random team. Like we can do whatever we like put our mind to just working together.
0: And how instrumental was that with, you know, if you could beat UConn, kind of like, oh, you could beat anybody. And then obviously came to be when you played BYU um, out in Ann Arbor, and then you gave Michigan a, a tough test on uh, in a road game in March Madness.
7: I feel like it just, like, raised the bar for us, like, because we knew, like, people are going to come after us now because we just beat number one. So, like, we just had to always be on our toes and play our best. So I think, like, going to the tournament, we were just, like, um, just really working together and, like, just knowing our roles, each individual player, to, like, benefit the team as a whole.
0: So I think, the um, obviously, the big, you know, Brianna graduates, uh, Lior uh, transfers. So, obviously, a, many, of, uh, basically everyone has to pick up the slack of their play, in their place. Um, I mean, outside of you two, I mean, who are some players? I mean, you can go back to, you know, how they played in, you know, at the end of the season in, in March Madness that, you know, you're really expecting to, like, take a major step in their game to replace their production uh, from Brianna and uh, Lior.
6: Yeah, it's a bummer losing those two. They were a big part of our team. But I think, like, yeah, Bella, she's going to be a competitor. She works so hard Is an animal on defense. Kate the freshman. Everyone really, I think, can step up any game, any time to have the chance to. Yeah, I think anyone has the opportunity and the ability to come out of their shell and really help us out.
0: So, and another tough non conference late, I think, um, was it Thanksgiving weekend? You're in Fort Myers? Yeah. Okay, I was right on that. Thank God. So, I mean, let's talk. I mean, I mean let's open up. That idea—I mean, that discussion of you know going down—it's a—it's really a business trip as far as I'm concerned. But you know, you have opportunities. um, Belmont—they nearly knocked off Tennessee down in Knoxville in the tournament, and there's a lot of other really good competition. So it's another one of those things where, like, I mean, are you looking at a time where we're we're how do I say this? We may not be. We're despite losing those two, as you mentioned, as I mentioned, I should say that we're still villain, we're still Nova we're still a really good basketball team
7: I think going down there like it's just going to be a good test to see like obviously seeing like different teams that you don't really see coming being a Philly school like playing Belmont's going to be a good competition but like losing those two is like is a, Bel- is a bummer but like our offense is based off of our cuts so like I feel like we just have to like let the fr- like let the freshmen grow and develop into like getting the flow of the offense and just like Seeing like how it plays
0: out. Uh, so lastly, I mean, what, what would you say the biggest areas of improvement um, this season, in order to you know build off of what was a really good season? I thought you should have been better than 11C, but that's that's just me. <laughs> but uh, turn it, make it have an even better campaign this time around.
6: Yeah, I think. Um like Burke said, just letting the freshmen get used to the offense and all of us are really determined. So Thank I think I think it just comes down to what we're putting into it. We're gonna get out.
0: Alright, so Maddie. Last year I mean, it was a world when you set a biggie scoring record. I mean was was it the March Maddiness trend that re- that when it really hit you, like how much of a oh, really? sensation you became on campus, I guess?
8: Um
3: I don't know. I think you know, it was just exciting. Um I think with last year, we had, like, uh, with coming back from my hand, I think that was, like, I was just so happy to be back with my teammates and just trying to help them the best I could.
0: And, and to get the opportunity to, you know, go to the NCAA tournament and then not win a game and then challenge Michigan on the road, I mean, what does that do for you and the rest of this team heading into this season?
3: I mean, you want to go back. That's always the goal. Um, so just knowing, you know, all the things we did to get there last year, that, you know, you got to do them again every year's you know, a new year, it's a new time. So you got to try to, you know, continue to raise the bar for yourself, your team.
0: Yeah, so the biggest question with this group is, you know, finding that supporting cast last year was Brianna and Lior. I mean, who are you looking at? You know, like, who's really been impressing you in practice?
3: Lucy Olsen has gotten night and day better. I couldn't be more excited for her this season. I think uh, Megan Obrey Christina Delci, uh Bella Runyon, just to name a few. Maddie Burke is going to, she's a, one of the best shooters I've ever
0: seen. So, last but not least, uh, fill in the blank for me. Villanova goes back to the tournament and gets back to that round of 32 if. We play defense and rebound the ball. keep it. So, another funny story about this one. I only had a little bit of time to get what I did out of Maddie Segris, Obviously, preseason player of the year. Her, her coach, and both Lucy and Brooke, they had a train to catch back to Philadelphia for 330. So I was lucky enough. I'm like, can we do this quick? Maddie said, yeah. Um, obviously, Coach Jones like, hey, we got a train to catch. So I'm like, I'm like, hey, coach, I got this. <laughs> uh not in a mean way, but I'm like, hey, I- I'm a pro. Watch watch me work. So and, and Maddie being the pro that she is, four questions in, four really concise answers. Again. Maddie effin' Segrist. I guess under pressure, you know, the quickest 83-second interview I might ever do with a player at Media Day or maybe ever. I don't know. That might be a tough record to beat, but For the 83 seconds that I had her, quick as a whistle, kept the answers concise. We love to see it. Maddie, can't say enough, especially because, you know... You're from Poughkeepsie, which I mentioned to her at Media Day that I have a lot of family from there because my grandmother uh, was born and raised in Poughkeepsie before she moved up here to, to the Utica area. So, moving on, tied for fourth. DePaul and Seton Hall, each with 68 points in this poll. This intrigued me a little bit. By the way, Villanova received votes and was not far outside the top 25. Same with DePaul. Seton Hall didn't get any votes, but yet they were tied with DePaul for that four spot in the preseason poll. DePaul, obviously, we know they got Anissa Morrow, who, by the way, was named a preseason All-American. Rightfully so. She deserved it. Same with Maddie Segrist. With DePaul, they nearly played themselves out of a turning spot like they did the year before. Luckily, thanks to the tournament expanding to 68, they were in the first ever women's first four. And there, Dayton just beat the brakes off of them out in Ames, Iowa at Hilton Coliseum. So for this DePaul team... They know they got a lot of work to do, and it seemed like they learned a lot from their late season struggles, which saw them getting blown out in offensive clinics put on by Marquette in the Big East Tournament, and then by Dayton in the NCAAs. Here is what the trio Blue Demons at Media Day, Anisa Morrow, Darion Rogers, and Kiara Collier, here's what they had to say. So last year, it was up and down for you guys. I mean, you had your really high moments where, you know, you beat Creighton on the road in a game that you know you really wanted to have to for better Big East tournament seeing you know really quality wins across the board, including going on the road beating Kentucky. So, but obviously, NCAA tournament comes around and you run into a Dayton team that just, let's be honest, they just shot the lights out. Um, so do you think that blowout loss, do you think it's kind of added fuel to your fire?
9: Uh, for me personally, yes, I definitely do um, Do think that it did that. Um, really as a team, I mean, when you go there and over the last few years, since I've been at DePaul, I have not been in an NCAA tournament, and that was the first time that you know I was able to be there with my teammates. And to have that outcome, it was definitely something that I know personally I won't forget, and it's something that I remembered. So I definitely think it added fuel.
10: Any of you want to follow up? Um,
11: I would say I definitely had a few in my fire. Um, I know that I have individual goals, but as a team, I didn't feel like we accomplished the goals that we wanted to that game, or in the tournament um, overall. So it's just showing that you get there, and you can't take advantage of it. You have to, you have to be ready and willing to win.
0: So losing Lexi Held and Sony Morris, it's obviously tough pills to swallow. I mean, rightfully so. Uh, but but still, given that, I mean. Making up for that by committee, I mean, Darian and Kier. you're each going to have elevated roles, but, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on just, you know, the new piece that you added, like, from the transfer portal and even, even the newbies, you know, the freshmen?
9: Um, it definitely, you know, sucks using two key pieces to our team, but, um, you know, in the most respectful way, life goes on. Right. So, I mean, we like you said. We know that we have to step up, and that's a role that we're accepting and that we're embracing. And we want to take for it. Um, as far as the newcomers that we have, they're they're working hard each and every day. They're willing to buy into our program and do what it takes to win. So I think overall, all the pieces are starting to connect to the puzzle, and that we're going to be pretty good.
4: Carol?
12: Yeah, no, I think Darian answered that question perfectly. Uh, I think everyone is embracing the new roles that they're going to have to take. Um, and we do have a lot of newcomers that are going to come in and take big roles
13: for us on the team as well.
0: So uh, what, what do you think the biggest areas of improvement um, for this season in order to get back? to that NCAA tournament, not only that, because you had to play in that first ever first four, but like to be in safely.
11: I would say defending, that's the biggest thing. If, you're, if your opponents don't score, there's no way that they can beat you. We we are um, a team that shoot fast, we score fast, we can, we can score but it's about stopping our opponents and defending. So that is, has been a real, a real big focus for the preseason right now is defending
0: defense. Um, so another thing i got to ask, because I know I just got done talking to the Creighton players. So you and Creighton are going to be playing in the first you know, national TV game on Fox that doesn't, on, for the women's side, that doesn't involve UConn. So your thoughts on being able to have that kind of platform and – Play on that stage and to end 2022, no less.
12: Oh uh, yeah, no. I think it's good for the Big East as well as women's basketball as a whole. Um, you know, there are a lot of good teams that are in the Big East that may not get as much um, attention, I'll say, as other teams. But I think it just illustrates that you know our conference is really competitive, um, and that our conference goes really deep. It's not just you know the top one, two, three team, four, five, six, seven. It's going to be like good
9: games with those teams as well.
10: Any adding any on?
9: No, I, I agree with you. I think um, on any given night, any team in the conference can beat anyone. Um, like she said, you know, more teams do get more recognition than others, but it's, it's definitely a uh, step in the right direction. It's very huge, and it's a blessing to be put in that position that we're
0: put in to be able to be um, showcased on national TV. As for Seton Hall, Unlike DePaul, they had a really good postseason, and they actually finished the regular season really strong. I mean, this team was 3-7 and heading into the second half of conference play, and they won nine of their final ten regular season games and then followed that up in the Big East tournament by advancing to the semis with wins over Butler and a thrilling win over Creighton to get them to the semifinals where they ultimately lost to Villanova. They didn't make the NCAA tournament, but they made the most out of their WNIT appearance. Going all the way to the final before ultimately falling to South Dakota State, who I believe is a preseason top 25 team this year. And with the WNIT, by the way, they're process of deeming who gets home court advantage in each round it was determined by the net and South Dakota State got to host every single game that they played in that tournament that's horseshit hopefully the committee for that is reconsidering and adjusting their formula for determining home court advantage and maybe even shifting more towards a final four type thing when you get to the to that point into the semifinals and the championship for the WNIT where you limit travel and you keep teams closer I mean they do it for the men's NIT so why not just do it for the women it just makes sense but i got it. speaking of that whole WNIT experience i mean they won their first 3 games at Walsh gym and then they had to go on the road and play three games in like a week. Where they play Columbia, which is not too far, out in New York City. And then they had to fly all the way to Murfreesboro, Tennessee to play Middle Tennessee State before going to that championship game and really only having like, what, one or two days of rest before they played South Dakota State? You want to hear some good-ass stories. Listen to what Lauren Park Lane and Sidney Cooks had to say. Specifically, Sydney, who really did a great job of trying to get you to visualize what that experience was like. And then after you hear from LPL and Sid, hear from one of the most outspoken individuals in the conference, guy I've come to know and love, Coach B, Tony Bazzella. So for you two, I mean, uh, uh, it was an, just a weird season where you had... You had to play like 12 games in 30-something days. like it, Just absolutely absurd. Uh, but the, the run that you did go on where you did a lot of winning and went all the way to the WNIT final, I mean, how important was it to get that late momentum to carry into this year?
14: Um, I feel like it was very important, especially for, you know, both me and Sydney, seeing that, you know, we're two we're the two best players on the team, you know, when we're playing good and we're playing together, you know, the sky's the limit for the team because, you know, everyone will gravitate towards us. Everyone wants to play with us, wants to play for us. So, you know, seeing that, you know, happen at the end of the season more like the because everyone could play good in the beginning of the season and die out in the end Mm -hmm. and you know we were the complete opposite you know we kept that momentum going into the WNIT making it all the way to the championship which is something that no one expected us to do and I won't even lie we probably didn't even expect it we were like whoa like woke up one day in the championship like okay cool let's go out here and let's try to do our best but, you know, seeing that kind of stuff, you know, it's just a, coming in this year, it's just like, you know, we've been there, done that. Let's try something new.
0: Yeah. So, with the, with that WNIT run, I mean, I think if there's anything, any big takeaway from it, winning on the road. And that's something that not easy to do in this league specifically. So, Sid, for you, I mean, T- tell me about just how difficult of those road environments, going to Columbia, Middle Tennessee, and then brooking South Dakota in the span of like a week. <laughs> tell, me, tell me about how that just made you guys tougher and ready for the road uh, laid ahead.
8: So when we went uh, against Columbia... We were, we knew it was going to be packed, but we were, like, pretty confident because we're like, you know, this is
0: only, like, 45 right. minutes away. Our and fans also are upset gonna come
14: because out. we didn't get the home game. But right.
0: Yeah, really, the net's going to determine who's <laughs> home and away.
14: <laughs> exactly, right.
8: Exactly. So that game was just fun. And yeah. then Middle Tennessee was getting a little nerve-wracking because, like, there's no way this many people. And they did not lose a home game. So we're yeah, stepping right. on there for, like, Oh man like yeah. these people they they're confident these are their yeah. nets like this is going to be some stuff um but then yeah I think just the grit of the team and us wanting um to prove like we didn't want our season to end not not on their court um You know, that helped us a lot to get that win, but by far in my six long years of college, that traveling from Tennessee to South Dakota was like nothing I've ever experienced before. I think we landed like on the school like literally it was down the street i just don't know what was going on that was insane everything it was such a culture shock for us and you know i would never say i'm going to take a vacation in south dakota even though i'm from wisconsin that's not really exciting but like i wouldn't say that so basketball it's a blessing because you travel everywhere so for us to go from tennessee to south dakota which is two totally different things to pulling up on the bus, and the fans have wrapped around the building. I mean, nothing like it before. They're standing the whole game. They're chanting. They're singing their school songs. Everything you could think of. But um, I don't regret it at all. It was a great experience, and we learned so much from that. Now the energy is contagious from that run. So
0: I feel like, I mean, given those environments, I feel like some road games in this league are going to feel like cakewalks now. I mean, so, I mean, the big thing is, you know, you guys were great in Walsh. On the road in the league, it was another thing. So... I mean, that, I think that's one of the big things to improve on, but what do you think are some other areas that you really need to improve upon? Because the, the goal is the NCAA tournament, and obviously you've seen trends from teams in the, that do well in the WNIT, making it to the final, even winning it, using that to go to the NCAA tournament. Again, this team hasn't been to, to March Madness since 2016, so what are the biggest things other than you know winning on the road and getting some big non-conference wins? I know you beat Princeton at their place, but even tougher this year, what do you got to do to get to that, where you want to be in that regard?
14: I would say just come out from the first game swinging, you know, proving a point. It doesn't matter who we're playing. We could be playing my little brother's YMCA team. You know, we need to beat them by 200 points. Um, just coming out, you know, knowing that we're the best player, we're the best team in the gym at that time, whoever we're playing, and playing with that confidence and that swag every single game. I feel like we took a lot of breaks last year. You know, we... I don't even know if it was breaks. It was more just like we had this sense of ourselves that wasn't a reality. And, you know, know, now seeing it, like, we have to be together, we have to play together, we have to do all these things leading up to our first game to keep it going and get these wins early on in the season. Because obviously that's what they look at, you know, they don't really look at, like, the end of the whole season and everything. So, you know, just making sure we get off to a strong start from the jump. All
0: right, and so, I gotta ask about like the, the newbies. I mean, you got K Satterfield from Xavier. Uh, you brought back a, a player that was once with y'all, but now back. So you lose Andra. Obviously, tough one. But I mean, just this whole group.
10: I, the hype
0: surrounding it is 100% deserved. Now the question becomes: Last year, you got a lot of hype, and it didn't really pan out the way you wanted to. What do you, what needs to be done differently to get the result you want?
8: I think these are some dogs that we brought in. I mean, it's already different. They're in the gym on their own from the minute that they stepped on campus. They have something that they they were good players at their school, but now they're like, I need this wind of confidence. This team, you know, went to the W19 finals. This coaching staff believes in me. My captains believe in me, so let me do what I have to do to be prepared for my opportunity. And I think they have taken it so well. Um, Even our two freshmen coming in, um, everything's brand new. She, you know, you just, with a bunch of grown women, and she's, what, 18 years old, and she is doing what she needs to do. The work ethic right now is incredible. I think that's my favorite thing about the team so far right now.
0: So, Coach B, um, you obviously hear stories about how teams use – the WNIT as momentum when they go on deep runs to get to the NCAA tournament, a place you haven't been since 2016. Um, What what were your big takeaways from the run that you went on, which saw you do a lot of traveling in a very short amount of time?
10: You're right, Tim. Um, I I think I I, 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 I took away that we have a lot of resiliency, Tim. The kids were resilient from being disappointed, not getting in tournament, from not playing real well the first half against FDU, to shutting them out in the fourth quarter, to building on that momentum, getting our fans behind us. And then we were just resilient in everything we did. And, and I saw that, and, I, and, I, and, and we won four close games, four games decided by basically the last shot. So it showed us that we can come through under pressure. So... And speaking of, um,
0: one thing that your team kind of struggled with during <laughs> Big East play is winning on the road, and you won not, two games on the road and had to play three in like a week or whatever it was. So do you think seeing them win on the road in very tough environments, mind you, in Columbia and then in – Middle Tennessee. MC,
10: Middle Tennessee, yeah. Um, like does that give you any confidence that they can handle the road grind of the Big East more? 100%. I think it's going to help us a lot, Tim, in that we played in tough environments and – on short travel, on difficult travel, and we're able to be successful. And speaking of, you know, the the Friday-Sunday format is
0: seemed to go, at least for this year, go away. So I definitely want to get your thoughts on a more spaced-out conference schedule where you playing one midweek and then just the one weekend game. But right. I like that. I think it gives our kids a chance
10: to rest. We, we you know revitalize their mind as well as their body but more their mind and just clear their mind and let them have a step back I think it's going to help a lot sleep in their own beds a little more I think those things help.
0: So I mean obviously you know what you're getting with uh, two absolute dogs in LPL and Sid but you know and on the new addition front I mean who has been jumping off the page with you with um, obviously the newbies that you brought in both freshmen and transfers?
10: I think our freshman Shailen Pinkney has been fantastic um, I think she's got a chance to be a special player She's come in with 12 upperclassmen basically and really shined. She's done really well. I think Maya Bembry has really stepped up her game and done a lot better. And we need that. Getting Alexia Lesh back has been wonderful. She's smart, she understands the game, she's gotten a lot better. And then lastly, you know, Zanna Baines. I think she's got a chance to be one of the next best, next stars in our program, I really do. Transfer
0: to Virginia Tech. So, below them in sixth. Marquette, another WNIT team last year. However, they did not go as far. They got knocked out in the Sweet 16 of the WNIT, and they lost at home, no less, which is not the way you want to go out. And with Marquette, they lose two very important players, as I mentioned, in Lauren Van Cloonen and Carissa McLaughlin. This is a younger team, Still very talented, featuring some pretty solid players like Liza Carlin, who I think is one of the more underrated players you're going to see in the league this year. And you can even say the same about the players I got to talk to in New York a couple weeks ago, which were Jordan King and Chloe Murata. So let's hear from them now, as well as their head coach, Megan Duffy. So I guess I'll start with, uh, you know, coach first. Um, it's tough losing two cornerstone players like Charissa McLaughlin and Lauren Van Clunen. But I mean, what, I feel like there's got to be a lot to like about the group that you still have. And, and there's a lot to build off of coming off of WNIT Sweet 16 run.
15: It's probably my favorite part about coaching is building the next great team. And obviously, Lauren Van Clunen did so much for our program, I and mean, she was here for ages, six years. Um, so it was time for her. Obviously, she had to move on, um, and, and, and she's enjoying a great pro career so far. But I think what Lauren taught us is, you know, the value of um, consistency, of hard work, um, what it means to be a winner. And I think we're taking some of those same qualities and, and pushing it into our next team. Krista had a unique um, role coming in for a year with a lot of experience and. Um, she, she brought just a great steadiness to our team with a lot of experience. So, um, you know, hopefully that some of those guys who are in new roles are ready to take on some of that responsibility.
0: And speaking of taking on that those bigger roles, I know you two in particular are definitely going to be tasked with that. Um, so, I mean, what have you done like mentally and I guess physically in the off season to prepare to take on those bigger roles?
7: Yeah.
16: yeah. Go, Go ahead, ahead, Jordan. Go ahead. Oh, um, I think – like coach talked about just the leadership that we saw in Lauren was a big thing and I think that's something that you know both of us have taken on in the offseason additionally with um, our other seniors as well but um, and then obviously with with growing our team just being able to take on those roles in, in different ways and doing it in our um, own unique way and specialize to who we are as players obviously um, it's going to come in a different way that it does for Chloe than it does for me so um, you know just having those one-on-one conversations and just figuring out kind of what that's going to look like player to player.
17: Yeah, and I just think, especially using our experience
16: as well, you know, as a fifth year
17: and as a senior, understanding you know how hard it, we have to work to get yeah. to where we need to be, and I think that is a, a part of your mental and physical, um, you know, uh, what we are and, and how we worked through that in the summer to get to where we are now.
0: So on the player front, also, I mean, Liza Carlin took major steps. I mean, she really came out of nowhere, especially in the DePaul game where she did, quite honestly, the unthinkable with handling any some more and older, older. – it was by committee also, but she played a big role in only holding her six rebounds. So I guess the big question is now, I mean, Lauren was a big presence, but in order for you to like maintain that strong presence of out-rebounding and just dominating teams on the glass, winning those smaller battles, how you want to use that to build off of what you guys did last year?
17: Yeah, we, I mean, we look forward to obviously working on um, continuing to improve every single day. And I think Liza does a great job in having that mindset. Um, you know, Liza is a great scorer at all, in all areas, but also her physicality on the rebounds and uh, really help our team. And I think as a post player, we understand that that's, you know, our mo- most important role is to rebound and to get after it on the glass.
16: Yeah. And I mean, um, you know, from that guard position, I see the, the bigs working every day, um, you know, watching film and, and studying how they can be better rebounders and holding this, themselves to account uh, accountable with that. And just, um, you know, when the standard is to always have that presence in the paint. And, um, you know, we just talked about just Liza's going to be great with that. And Chloe too, just, you know, working that by committee is important.
0: So now for you, coach. Um... I know you were three returning starters, you know what they're capable of. Now, are there any players that, from a role player position a year ago that you're expecting to take a major jump in their game?
15: Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing our junior class, Rose Nakumu, Liza Carlin, who we mentioned, and Juliana Okuson. Um They've watched for a couple years. They've got some good game experience, and now it's about them helping fill the role with a little bit of everything, a little bit of scoring, a little bit of rebounding, um, making our team uh, be efficient in what we do on both sides of the ball. Um, we have a great addition in Nia Clark, and then... And um, to be honest with you, I love our freshmen. I mean, they're working every day. It's all brand new. But I think by the time the season's over, you're going to see a few of them really contributing.
0: So last thing for all three of you, are there any specific areas that definitely, if you like conquer down in that area, that'll take you, over the top and you haven't been to the tournament since the 2020, obviously uh, two years, but it's not, you, you, just to, just to get just, back.
6: Just a year. Yeah. Yeah. I,
0: I, I slipped my mind, but, but <laughs> to get back to that term after missing it a year ago, where some, what do you think are some areas they may need to hunker down on and improve on to get back there?
15: I think the big thing for our team is just finding consistency. We got a mixture of some, some vets. We have some freshmen who are going to be really good and some newcomers. And, you know, the part of October right now in preseason is to build that chemistry, you know, find more days in a row that you're putting together, um, you know, focusing in on our toughness, our rebounding, um, finding those scoring roles, and again, our, our mindset is always this relentless growth, trying to get a little bit better every day. And um, with those bigger picture goals of yeah, we want to make the tournament, we want to do some damage once we get in, but there's so much that comes before that.
0: And I, I almost forgot there was one thing because I definitely can't can't not talk about it. Your 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 th- feast week tournament in Battle for Atlantis, you're gonna be facing. Texas, right off the bat, I mean, and this—it's a loaded field too. I mean, what are your thoughts on you know, being a part of that field and taking part of you know one of the more unique tournaments? I mean, you're, you're playing in a ballroom at a, at Atlantis. <laughs> yeah, By great. the way, if you're a shooter, keep the ball low because <laughs> the ceiling's not high. But but it's a, as much as it's great of a like vacation. It's not a vacation, but it's a business trip. For you also, what are you looking forward to with just playing down there and the competition you're going to be facing to really? Get you ready for Big East se- e season.
17: Yeah, we're really excited. I think when uh, we found out we were going to play there, and then the teams that were there, you know, we have a great opportunity to get better and also to compete against you know the top top teams in the country, and that's going to really help us uh, grow throughout the season.
16: Yeah, I think it's like she said, really exciting, um, especially to be able to get some games under our belt, then head into Atlantis, and then like you said, just preparing for Big East. There's great teams on there, and to be able to kind of see where you stand nationally is going to be really exciting, and um, you know we're working for that every day. So.
0: So I don't know if you might have noticed this by now, but this episode is already longer than the men's media day special. Now, I know that I cut a decent amount of audio from the men's special for a couple reasons. Number one, it was a lot louder in there, so the audio isn't as clear. You don't really get to hear What the players and coaches had to say is clearly because obviously there are a lot more people around, a lot more noise. And then on top of that, I mean, if I'm being blunt, some of the responses I got were just bland. It was just dry. And I promise every single year, the last couple of years when I get to media day, that the audio you're going to hear from it is going to be the best that I can possibly get you. And when I got a good amount of dry responses, I cut it. Like it it just defeats the purpose, you know, if that makes sense with the women. I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but they don't have as much to lose as the men. And that's why they're a lot more outspoken and a lot more, And why their responses, quite frankly, are a lot more entertaining in a lot of ways. And why they're more talkative. And speaking of talking more and being outspoken along the same lines of Coach B, team that was picked to finish 7th, St. John's, their head coach, Joe Tartamella, one of the more fiery coaches that you're going to see in the league. And he was dealt a tough blow losing his star player, Leilani Correa, to the portal. But even being picked to finish seventh after finishing seventh last year, Tartamella is pretty confident with this current group that he has. And one of the better sound bites, maybe the best sound bite that you're going to hear from this special, it's courtesy of Tartamella. And you'll know it when you hear it. Here's Coach Now. So uh, coach, I might as well start with you. Um, obviously losing Leilani Correa is a bit of a gut punch, but you obviously have personnel that can take on that kind of scoring capability. Are there any uh, players that you've seen so far in you know in the preseason that you could see taking that step to become that alpha that you need?
18: Yeah, I mean, look, people lose players all the time now. Uh, it's just the little world we live in with the portal. Um, Leilani was a great player for us, but we've got uh, Great players that we brought in, so we've got a really. The thing I'm excited about is we've got an extremely veteran team um, of players who are in their fifth or sixth years. They played in, in big time conferences, whether it's the SEC, the ACC. Um, having Kadej, obviously back, Raven back, Unique um, Drake back, guys that have been with us for a number of years, um, who I think all together can certainly, um, I think, in many ways, be better than we were last year. Yep. And uh, speaking and, we, and Tim, we weren't very, we weren't great. So yeah. You know, to say that um, it was about one person is not really the story. Fair. So I think of course. The, the group that we have, we feel really good about. Uh, yeah. Andy Mimi Reed, Jayla Everett, um, all of our transfers that we had in our two freshmen, I think everybody can contribute. We're really deep. Uh, we feel we're much more athletic. It's what I'm used to um, as far as how we're going to defend and be able to defend. So we feel really good. And I think the group understands that they all need each other and able to you know and able to win the way we want to which is which is being back in the postseason
0: and speaking of that postseason you that experience is a big big factor and you know winning and losing games um in postseason play whether it be conference tournaments nit ncaa i know the ncaa is where you want to go but just from a big east tournament perspective you know you got past round one quarterfinals you got knocked out and you've had teams that have that you had a team that did win the big East tournament and it wasn't too far fetched not long ago. So I guess the question is what do you want from this group to be able to like go on a deeper run in, in that tournament, stay longer in Mohegan sun and for get more, get more crispy cream for your kids. Oh, you saw that, huh? Yeah, yeah I did. Okay.
18: They do love Krispy cream, um, which apparently is in three places in Mohegan sun that my, my kids found out. But, uh, no, I mean, look at the end of the day, uh, you can't put a price tag on experience. So when you've got players, and, and two years ago, you know we're 19 and 12. Right as COVID happens, and we're on the bubble to be in the tournament. Right. Kanasia's on that team. Um, those kids were experienced. They made a run before that. Uh, they had been able to see and feel what it's like to be in those games, high leverage situations, whether it's Big East tournament, NCAA tournament, or the NIT. Um, as I said earlier, we've got seven play. We've got. Seven new guys, six that have been here, um, all have a different story. Some have played in the NCAA tournament. Some have not played in the postseason. Some have played in the NIT. Um, Every minute and every experience that those new players have brought to us um, is going to help us down the road. And I think the beautiful part about it is that we have very much, I think, in that locker room one mindset, and, and that's to compete to be tougher than anybody else in the country, um, to give us an opportunity to be in those situations, to get past the first round or the second round or whatever you want to call it. I mean, you gotta, you got to win three games in, in three A's no matter what, um, and you're going to have to face a pretty good team on the way there. Um, in UConn, so um, for us to be able to be in a good position come postseason, that means we've had to play well during the year. And if we do that, I feel really good. Um, every game is different. Every team we play in the conference is different. Um, every opportunity we have to play a game, we have to to hold in high regard. You know, and I think that's the biggest thing we try to stress to our players. Every game matters. Every outcome matters. Whether now, now winning by one is actually not as good as winning by twenty and like we don't even understand that because of the net. So there's a lot of different things that have gone on since 2016 or 2019 before COVID or now that we switched to the net. So, um, you know, I think our players, I mean, Mimi's one of them who's, who's been in the tournament, um, who, who can give experience, understand what it means to win and to actually want to win. I think that's the biggest change um, from this year, from last year to this year. Um, I think we're... You know, we have the players that understand how hard it is. Like, I've never taken for granted one minute what it means to get into the postseason. And we've been there, I think, seven times as, or six times as a head coach now. And as an assistant, I can't count them. But been to Sweet 16. Yeah, we cut the nets in 16 for the Big East tournament. I mean, um, but to have players who understand how hard it is and to embrace that, I think that's the bigger part. I think we have a lot of those guys in the locker
0: room. So in the eight spot, Providence. And... I was a little surprised. A little bit. Because the way I had... I had Georgetown 8, Providence 9, Butler 10, Xavier 11. So, there was a little bit of shuffling that I would have done compared to how the preseason poll looked. But with Providence, you lose two important bigs in Mary Baskerville and Alyssa Geary. But... The the young freshman class that proved to be pretty important last year, led by Kylie Shepard, they're a year older, a year wiser, and are expected to take bigger roles and to be the driving force now for this team. Now, their best player coming back, though, is Janae Crooms, the transfer from Michigan State, who, by the way, before I hit the record button, asking Janae, very candidly, I I wish I asked more people about this. I wish I needed this on the record too. And I'm kicking myself in hindsight. But when I asked Janae Crooms about with the frequency and now commonality of transfers in, especially in these power conferences... There should be all-transfer teams at the end of the year. She was very much in agreement with that. And Crooms was on my all-transfer team a year ago. So let's hear from the Friars now. Those two specific names I mentioned, Crooms and Shepard. And then a guy who's quickly become one of my favorite people in the Big East between players and coaches. Uh head coach Jim Crowley, who you and him and I, both Bills fans, um, again, both from upstate New York. Crowley's from Binghamton, obviously I'm from Utica, and before he obviously ended up at Friartown, he was at St. Bonaventure for a while, which is not too far from Highmark Stadium, the home of the Bills, and he did mention that he had season tickets uh for Bill's games when he was the head coach of the Bonnies. So let's hear from the Friars again, starting with Shepard and Crowley and Shepard and Croons, excuse me, and then uh, to head coach Jim Crowley. Uh, so last year, bit of a rocky season just throughout. I mean, you had a few games that you had to be rescheduled, so you had to play quite a few games and not a lot of time. But knowing, hopefully, we're out of the out of the woods with this, but. Going, having a more normal schedule where you're not going to play into having a lot of games with short rests. I mean, how are you guys feeling about that? Getting back to normalcy and just the the, the, the team that's now in place to handle this, this schedule and obviously the Big East grind that's soon to come.
19: Um, I feel a lot better because last year there was a lot of fatigue problems like yeah those are excuses but then that's how the injuries were coming along. right so it's kind of nice that we'll be back in a normal schedule and get used to like everything that's going on and it'll be easier preparing for games as well
11: oh well, yeah for me just having some experience under my belt just. I know what a, what a normal schedule is playing, you know, two, three games in a week. And just having that normal schedule definitely is a different feeling rather than rather having to sit out for a week because of COVID or just different right. reasons, which is different.
0: So. And by the way, I got to ask, um, your thoughts on the going away from the, the usual Friday-Sunday schedules with a lot one midweek game and a weekend game, your thoughts on that?
19: Um, I don't mind it because we're still playing two games in a week. so
0: yeah, Not I, so close together.
19: Yeah, yeah. true. But... Um, I think that will just give us more time to recover and then come out better for that next game, that following.
11: Yeah, I agree. Just, I don't mind. As long as we get to play two or three games in a week, that's cool with me. And just having a day off for, like, that week, that midday is just, like, better.
0: Yeah. So, losing Mary and, and then Alyssa Geary, tough pills to swallow. But, you know, how, how have you two and the rest of the group that's coming back and even the freshmen, like, how have you been able – like, taking on that – These roles that you're now going to have expanded for this year?
19: Um, I think everybody's just stepping up to the plate and like adding things to their bag so that, you know, we don't have a big post presence, but that doesn't really matter because we can still play small, play fast, then we can shoot it, then get it inside to our floor. So, I mean, yeah, we miss them, but we're also like still going to do well.
11: Yeah, of course I played a, a big role in the, the post, but at the same time, like Kylie said, just we can now add do different stuff to our arsenal, you know. Now we can maybe press more, just get downhill, maybe be better in transition. You know, there's just different things that we can now feel for, um, for them missing, but at the same time their presence will be missed. But like she said, people are stepping up, you know, different players are showing up to practice every day just doing different things.
0: So, I, one of those players i got to ask about, I mean, because the game she had in the Big East tournament, just absolutely absurd. Emily Archibald, oh, yeah, know. the most improbable three I've ever seen hit just between, I think, what, hit five times on the rim before it went down? I mean, Emily's one of, you know, a handful of players that, you know, year older, year wiser, and, you know, Kylie, you're part of a now year older, year wiser sophomore class, so, I mean... How, how do you, how do you two, you being on the on the underclassman side, you being on the upper, you know, how do you see the blend of young and old on this group right now?
11: Just seeing them play a lot last year as a freshman, and then them being sophomores this year, it's going to be really key for us. Especially Kylie and Emily, like they're going to be playing a lot of minutes for us. So just having that experience under that belt at a young age, and now coming into their sophomore year, I think they're going to do really well. And just having that confidence, being able to come in and do what they need to do, and just. Putting our team in the best position is going to be really key for us.
19: Yeah, I think all six of us having a decent amount of playing time last year is definitely going to benefit us this year because we know how to handle those pressure situations in the scout and just the Big East in general. So I think everybody will be prepared and we'll be ready.
0: <laughs> all right. So, Coach. Um, yeah, yeah. Last year, Rocky up and down. Uh, you had, you know stretches where you know i had the covid pause and then you know having to play multiple games in a very short amount of time uh but hopefully i, I, asked, I asked this question last year to multiple coaches about like that sense of normalcy <laughs> but it probably feels more palpable now but i mean how are you feeling about this group being able to like get back to that normal schedule and handle it and with fatigue issues and hopefully avoiding injury
4: yeah i mean that was a uh the early part of the season, we had a lot of injuries and, and, and we were very young. We were very young and you know, then we had Janae, a new player, involved too. So we were playing a lot of new people together and uh, that experience has paid off just at times. It, it also was a little tough to go through. Um, so uh, I do think that, that not just with the COVID but with everything this group now knows me better, they know the level better, they know all that stuff. There's just a, a lot more comfort with all that that it wasn't there as much. It was just kind of unsettled last year. So, so I, you're
0: now sophomore class, and year older, year wiser. How are you feeling about their maturity levels improving? now?
4: Really good, really good. They got a lot of experience last year. Every one of them, I believe, every one of them at least started a Big East game. Certainly got Big East level minutes, um, and then they had good summers. But they, more importantly, they just. They know, they know what it's about now. You know, we had a number of games that we had leads in the fourth quarter and we didn't finish, so what do we have to do to get there? And that's all stuff you got to do now to, to make sure. So, um, so I feel really good. They're, they're a good group. We've had a couple transfers who have helped. Janae's gotten another year under her belt. So so losing two
0: veteran players like Mary Baskerville, Liz Gary. obviously it's a tough pill to swallow, but, you know, which players in practice have you seen really, you know, take upon that workload and, like, replace the that they brought to that game. Yeah, group. I thought by the end of last
4: year, a lot of them were doing that. Obviously, Kylie's role is going to continue to get very, very big. But um, you know what, Lib Olsen did, especially late in the year. What Emily Archibald did, especially late in the year. Um, and, and Emily was coming off mono late in the year. That's why she wasn't getting as many minutes for the you know games prior to like the Big East tournament. But uh, feel really good about where they are and what they've done. We've added a transfer and Logan Cook, who played four years at Iowa, has a great winning. Um, know kind of credibility and went through stuff and is just an incredible teammate and is going to help there so to fill that position we feel really good with those three kids so uh one of the biggest
0: areas that you think that you you think you need to improve on um coming into this year to you know improve
4: on where you were yeah the simple the numbers are we turn the ball over too much and we fall too much you know you do those two things you're not gonna you're not giving yourself a chance to to win a lot of games and um you know we've got to make sure we we aren't, we aren't beating ourselves. And those two areas are, are areas that we did a lot. And it, it came back to haunt us. And, and it, you know, we feel good about our experience and, and what we're working on now. And, and hopefully we'll see it improve as we start playing. So, something else that
0: really surprised me as we get towards the bottom of the preseason poll Butler and Georgetown were tied for ninth. That shocked me. I thought Georgetown got a little slighted. I know they lose their bread and butter, Milan Bolden-Morris, but they still have a lot, and Jillian Archer too, but they still have a good amount of talent on their team, including, you know, bringing back Kelsey Ransom, Brianna Scott, and Grace Ann Bennett, who you're going to hear from. They bring in a pretty good transfer from Florida who has been around the block. And... Face some of the best in the country in women's hoops. Again, when she was at Florida, because she would face the likes of, you know, Aaliyah Boston and the rest of South Carolina. Kentucky with Ryan Howard. Tennessee. I mean, the list goes on and on. And that player specifically is Christina Moore, graduate transfer again from Florida and originally hailing from Australia. Yeah, Georgetown got a little slighted here. I'm not going to say Butler got overrated here. They were higher than what I thought, but I think that it means, to me, one thing. It means that the coaches must see that the young talent that Butler has that Austin Parkinson inherits and the talent that he brought in from the portal, including a player that he coached at IUPUI. Those coaches must have some level of faith in them that they would put them up tied for ninth a year after they failed to win a single Biggies game and won just one game the entire season. So, So let's segue now to hearing from those Georgetown players, even distribution of questions. Each of those four players I mentioned, Grace Ann Bennett, another upstate native, Kelsey Ransom, Brianna Scott, and Christina Moore. You'll hear from them first, and then got to reconvene with um, the new head coach of the Butler Bulldogs, Austin Parkinson. That only made sense, you know. And by the way, that only leaves by process of elimination. Xavier... Projected at the bottom of the Big East table for this season in the preseason poll. So yeah, let's segue now. You're going to hear from the Georgetown women's players first and then um, head coach of the Butler women's team, Austin Parkinson, to round out my interviews that you're going to hear from Big East Women's Basketball Media Day. So last year was obviously hectic uh to say the least where you know you had so many different players trickling into the starting lineup um a lot of players going down players having limited minutes there was a lot going on there but I mean is it refreshing to have this kind of clean slate now
3: for sure I mean we have depth we have numbers we've experience. so going into a new season and having everyone fresh is always exciting
0: So, Kelsey, I know you went down um, in the Big East tournament. Um, I mean, how are you currently feeling in terms of, like, being 100% and, you know, improving on a pretty solid year last year? Quite literally
20: went down, actually. It was quite a tumble I took. Um, (laughs) No, but I'm feeling really good. I'm doing a lot of uh, PT still, trying to strengthen um, my ankle, but it feels really good. Um, High expectations for myself and this team for the season, so definitely don't want to waver from what we've been building the entire summer, and I have high hopes for us.
0: So, uh, Brianna, I got to ask you cuz I know um your mom is an analyst. Um, has she ever tried to like go as an analyst? Has she ever tried to like go in depth and try to break down things parts of your game to like like to the point where it's like you're you're listening to your mom act on TV but at home?
13: Um
20: I think she does a very good job of separating um, her job from being a mother. Right. So, um I feel like she she does a good job with preparing me for the real world regarding like, um, everything outside of basketball. Mm-hmm. But she, um, I feel like she does a good job of leaving the coaching to the coaches because she coached me in high school. Right. So she did a good job also of separating coaching in high school as being mother. So it's like when I'm in the gym, I call her Coach Scott. But when I'm at home, of course, I call her Mom, so she did a good job. There.
0: And for you, I mean, you had a really impressive freshman campaign. I mean, now that you're a year older, year wiser, I mean, how do you plan on building off that?
20: Um, I feel like my confidence has definitely gotten a lot better from last year, Um, and I think my poise, of course, having a year under your belt would uh, help anybody, so um, having that experience uh, gives me something that I can improve on this season.
0: So, I I can not get to Christina. (laughs) Um, So, this was a relatively young group, I mean, but coming in as a a vet with the experience that you bring, I mean, what... For those Big East fans that don't really know about you, like what is that you looking to bring to the table with this team? Because I'll be honest, the where you were picked preseason, thought you were a little disrespected. I had you guys eighth, for the record. So, I mean, uh, so what do you want to bring to the table to get you guys to exceed expectations and build off a year where you know they want a Big East tournament game?
21: Um, I think playing four years in the SEC, I've played some of the toughest teams at their best, um, Mm -hmm. and it's a very competitive league, Um, and I was also put in a situation with dealing with, not dealing, but helping a lot with younger players um, at my previous place, Um, and I think helping others helps me as well. you know, focusing on my leadership ability and um, finding finding areas of everyone's games that I can help with, it builds confidence in a lot of younger players, um, and it also builds my confidence because it's reciprocated and that relationship is comfortable enough where I, you know, I am a fifth year, but a freshman is not afraid to tell me um, what they seeing in my game too. So I think that reciprocated relationship and, you know, helping them to help me as well.
0: Any uh, stark differences you've noticed just from practice, like in terms of playing style, difference between the SEC and the Big East?
17: Um,
21: uh, I can't say for sure. Um, but I know something that we're really working on is um, playing fast, and that's a big emphasis for us this year. And I have played fast previously, and there's a lot of generally fast teams in every conference. So I think definitely being used to that style of play is really going to help, and you know being able to push others into adjusting to that new style as well will benefit us. All
0: right, so I guess last but not least, I know I got each of them for two. So... Got to share the sugars, Steve Lavin like to say. So, obviously, YouTube being in, obviously Brianna being in that environment where you win a Big East tournament game, um, which ha- the program hasn't done in a couple years. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you build off of that, and what are the big areas of improvement that you 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 got to focus on in order to take that step up as a team?
3: I think for us, it's a, it's identity um, being like stepping into being a fast team and a pressing team which is the team you saw us in the Big East tournament Mm -hmm. um, in that Providence game um, that's when we're most comfortable that's when we're most successful so having that film and seeing us like in our element and, and being able to build on that identity is what we've been doing this summer.
20: Yeah I agree I think it's important now to keep that focus on what we want at the end of the season so that when it's March we can't have the ability to say that we didn't do what it took to prepare you know, back in September and October. You want to be able to say that we did what it took now so
6: that all of Harvard pays off in months later.
0: So coach, now the you know, I talked to you back in May and you really didn't, you know, have enough time to see what this team was going to do in the off season. But now that we're a month less than a month now until this season starts, you know, what are some things you're liking about this um, about this group, you know, both um, on the court and off the court. Off the court, I think they've gotten to be really
22: close. You know, sometimes when you turn around a culture, you can have kind of attitudes and problems. That's not been the case at all. Um, And they want to learn. I mean, practice ends. You will know, leave and I'll can be pack my stuff Jersey up leave a half hour later <laughs> and they're Scott still in the gym <laughs> getting shots. Um, On the court, so you know I think one through to, four like, we've got like, some skilled players. Um, you know we scrimmage the other day, we, we shoot the ball actually. really really well. Could I think we'll take be a better lot better. of threes. Does 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 you know I think our biggest question mark is going to be inside. You know how effective can we be? I yeah. You know at the five spot, I think we've got some potential pieces, but that's kind of the one that we'll see
0: how it looks like. So I got to ask about. The origins of the, uh, the the one day a week where you break out the pink in practice.
22: Yeah, yeah you know, we dealt Sorry, something we did, uh, years ago at IUPUI. You know, the young ladies yeah. love pink. Uh, We did it in the past as a breast cancer awareness thing, and, you know, we just thought that's something that the kids get fired up about, and we decided we
0: were going to do it here. So this non-conference schedule, I mean, usually some coaches would like to go on the lighter side for their non-conference schedule. You most certainly did not do that. You play Illinois, you go to Indiana, a team that was in the Sweet 16 last year. I mean, how are you liking your team's Ability, I mean, yeah, yeah. And, and it's mindset of the head coach also and just the rest of the staff to take on a challenging non-conference late before you take on the Big East gauntlet.
22: Yeah, I mean, one, I think it gives you good preparation, obviously, but the other part is, I think it's a good balance. I think we have a good mix of teams, but yeah, to play two Big Ten teams is, is great you know, for us to get better, um, but it's definitely something, I mean, you look at the December schedule, it's like Big East, Illinois, IU, Big
0: East, it doesn't, yeah, there's no, no, no let-up whatsoever. So, so I, I, the tie for ninth slot, I mean, after, coming off a year in which this team didn't win a single conference game, I on the outside, certainly surprising, but internally, I mean, how are you guys feeling about that and what you want, how you want to build off of that?
22: I mean, I don't know if the other coaches get together and say we're going to punk the young, new coach with the, the ninth. Yeah, I was surprised like you were. I mean, you know, we didn't win a game last year. But, you know, at the end of the day, whether we were picked
0: beyond that, it really doesn't matter. It's just a matter of, you know, a matter of getting this group day in day out
22: and uh, I think we have a chance to be pretty solid
0: and so last thing I definitely got to ask since you know you have one of your star sophomores to the right of you uh, how you've seen the maturity of that sophomore class just come into fold now
22: yeah I mean you both her and Sydney Janes are going to play a lot for us um, Trinity worked really hard in the offseason on the physicality of things she's a very powerful guard yeah. And I think you're going to see really good things from like, her because okay. she'll be surrounded by like, other you you see, know, better so players, but team, also you know, know, it but it players that can shoot. So there should be more like, like, oh, space for her to drive she's
0: the she's kind of I don't know, kind of- So, yeah, that's everything from Big East Women's Media Day. From I know it was two weeks ago now, but obviously I had to space everything out, make sure that the men had their own separate media day special, and especially more so with the women giving them Their own spotlight that they 100% absolutely deserve. Especially with some of the soundbites that you hear in this episode. Now, last minute news and notes. So, arguably the biggest one, at least in my opinion, Dante Harris is no longer with the Georgetown men's basketball program. And that news came out, I think last week. And when I heard that, it all made sense as to why Patrick Ewing didn't answer my question about how Dante was doing as he had gotten hurt in Madison Square Garden in their last game a year, a season ago in the Big East tournament, a loss to Seton Hall. So. It all made sense right then and there when I heard that, as to why Coach Ewing didn't answer that question at all, because he knew that Dante wasn't going to be with the team moving forward. And you know what? I totally understand why he wouldn't answer it, because i I'm trying to think of the right words. Number one, why answer a question about a guy who you know isn't going to be with the team? And number two, I wouldn't want to disclose that information to me when the public relations team for my program hasn't disclosed that to the public yet. So I totally understand and and if, Be honest with you, if I was in Coach Ewing's shoes, I wouldn't have told me that either. So I totally understand, I totally respect it. No harm, no foul. Not mad or anything. Because I mean it's not like I'm I'm not I'm nowhere near the level of like a Rothstein or a Goodman or those kind of people. So I wouldn't want to tell that information to me either because I could easily just fuck that up, leak it. Like, you might hear it on the podcast and you're like, oh shit, this is a huge news bomb and nobody said anything. And no one said anything in terms of, like, internally, you know, putting it out there from Georgetown's official account. So... Again, it just all made sense. Once I found out Dante Harris no longer with the team, it all made sense as to why Patrick Ewan didn't really address how Dante Harris was doing um, leading up to this season since he wasn't going to be a part of the Hoyas. So, yeah, there was that. But other important things, I mean, I know there have been some exhibition games going on. I know. Butler played Tiffin over the weekend. Creighton was in action over the weekend against Drury. Highlights from there. Um, from Butler. It's actually something not on the court. Well, technically it's on the court because it happened on the court, but it wasn't in the actual game itself. But Butler blue dressed as Batman. scooting around in a remote control Batmobile that obviously a human is was in control of shout out to no context, college basketball for, for that little video, which is absolutely adorbs happy belated Halloween, even though I am the farthest from a Halloween person they could possibly get. And then highlight from Creighton taking on Drury How about, I mean, Baylor Shireman had a nasty assist. No look over the head to a cutting Ryan Brenner and Creighton. I know it's an exhibition game, but they look really good offensively and borderline. Hell, they look kind of scary offensively. They look like it could be a problem, not just in the Big East, but nationally. Um, I can't really remember if there's any other, I know Providence has played at least one exhibition game and then St. John's what they played Southern New Hampshire recently and that was on ESPN three, I believe it was either ESPN three or ESPN plus one or the other, but also courtesy of no context, college basketball, there was this graphic of the preseason Big East media poll, right? Uh, coaches poll. And it said, the first line read top 10. So they're, you already know they're excluding DePaul, which is a major slap in the face. No DePaul slander tolerated. So they mention, so with the graphic, Creighton Blue Jays number one, okay? But the way Creighton spells their nickname it's not like the Toronto Blue Jays. It's just one word. Blue Jays. So that part was wrong. They also spell Villanova Wildcat, Not Wild Cats. So apparently now only one player represents Villanova. They're the Villanova Wildcat, Now the Wild Cats. And then last but not least, my favorite. The Georgetown Bulldogs. I know their mascot's a Bulldog, but like... They're the Georgetown Hoyas. You have to know that information. You have to. So whoever was in charge of that graphic, I mean, technically you took four L's in that one graphic. Like, come on, man. Get your shit together and do better at your job, man. And do some research before you actually put the graphic up. And also in the same vein... Big L to whoever approved that graphic to be ready to display during that live broadcast. Not as much as F fault, but you know, you you probably had a lot of time to make any changes, make sure everything was correct before that graphic went up and you didn't. You just said, fuck it. I don't think anyone will notice oh honey everybody noticed so that's gonna do finally do it for this episode of the igloo so I'm gonna have a new episode on episode out on Saturday where I'm gonna set the table for you get you ready for opening night Monday November 7th get ready for this opening midweek slate of games and obviously get you ready for the first official weekend of the season that again that's on Saturday that's a wrap y'all